welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue, just west of the Cherryvale Mall. Now here's Pastor Marty Pierce with today's message. Thank you, Pastor Jared. Hello, Rock Church family. How are we doing today? Some of you are well, some of you aren't quite awake yet. You should be awake. You got an extra hour of sleep last night. I heard somebody say yesterday, they said, you know, I, I wish that uh, we could uh, do away with daylight savings time this year because uh, we just don't want another hour in 2020 to get us. This has been kind of a weird year, yeah? How many of you could identify with this statement? The struggle is real. The struggle is real. I'm going to talk about that this morning and how we deal with the struggle. Has anyone ever here felt like they've been on the struggle bus? Welcome aboard the struggle bus. You get on the bus and all of a sudden it's in the ditch. And it's, I mean, how many of you know if that was your school bus, that'd be a bad day. Getting on board the struggle bus. You can't get off of it. Have any of you ever, have you ever felt like you've been abandoned? I want you to be interactive with me today, okay? We're, we're too quiet. You guys got to, you know, act like you're awake today. Any of you ever felt like you've been given up? Have you felt like 2020 is probably a year that was in an alternate timeline? Like all of a sudden you wake up and you see Spock has a goatee and you know that you're in a bad place. Any Trekkies in here? Come on, you remember when Spock had a goatee and that messed everything up, right? The alternate timeline? Or when Biff got a hold of the almanac? in uh, 2015 and and took it back to young biff and it messed everything up you guys don't watch movies do you yeah (laughs) you'll get it later all right so um i saw another meme the other day that was pretty funny um it said this i would like to take my mom up on her offer to knock me into next year (laughs) you know the pandemic has kind of been at the forefront of all of our thoughts yeah Something that we, that we just keep th- thinking about, hearing about, talking about, because it's, it's all over the news, right? Everywhere you turn, that's, that's all you see in the news. And, you know, quite honestly, the pandemic has really just been the tip of the iceberg this year. There's been a whole lot of other stuff that uh, maybe we've, we've forgotten about. And it's just been the main thing that's grabbed our focus. But did you know that Louisiana has faced like six hurricanes this summer and they almost have all hit in the same place that's a bad that's a bad year out on the west coast and in colorado there's been wildfires that have just burned down people's livelihoods and and their homes and all those things that's that's a bad moment right just this week in oklahoma where my family lives um, in parts of texas They had freezing rain and ice accumulations of about two inches that just destroyed trees and took out power to, you know, millions of people in that area. And it's just, it's like, just can't get enough of it, right? A one-way ticket on the struggle bus. I don't know about you, but I want to get off this bus. I want to go someplace else. I'm tired of the struggle. 
We live in a time where we're not sure what to believe when we read the newspapers or when we watch the news on TV or if we're reading it on the internet. And for many of us, what was once the American dream has now become a nightmare. Does that ring true with anybody? Many, if not all of us, are looking for a way to escape. How many of you have said this, this at least once this year? If only things could go back to normal. What's normal, though? I mean, because normal is kind of a relative term, right? Because what's normal to me might be completely abnormal to you. And vice versa. But the struggle is real. In my devotions over the last uh, few days, I've been reading in Jeremiah and Habakkuk and Lamentations. Now, how many of you know that when you go to open up those books in the Bible, you're typically not going to find something that just really puts you in a good mood? <laughs> I mean, when the, whole, when the book's title is Lamentations, I mean, that just kind of sets you up that like, hey, this is going to be something that may not be the most fun to read. But how many of you know because it's in the Bible, it's still important to digest and take part of, right? So all three of these books were written in a time when the nation of Judah was heading into Babylonian captivity. I got to be honest with you. I don't like the idea of going into captivity. Anybody, I mean, have you felt captive this year? Have you felt like things are just out of whack? What if God, though, is using captivity to refine you and to get some of the ugliness that's there out? Some things that you need to deal with. Now, you may think that this sounds familiar because back in August, I got to preach a message about what's on the inside will come out. And no, I'm not going to rehash that message today, but I am still going to talk about some things that we have to deal with because God is ultimately always concerned with what's in our heart. Because what's in our heart is what's going to come out when we get pressed. So if when you, if when you come to a place where you feel that you've been mistreated, or that life has dealt you a bad hand, how does that shape your attitude? When things don't go your way, what do you do? Do you get mad? you quit? Take your ball, go home? That's easy to do. We're going to open up to the book of Jeremiah this morning, chapter 29. And many of you think, oh, I already know where he's going to go. No, you don't. <laughs> You may be thinking, we're going to go to Jeremiah 29, 11. And yeah, we're going to get there in a, in a few minutes, but that's not the crux of what I'm talking about this morning. Because Jeremiah 29, 11 is a verse that we all know by heart. We quote it often. People share it as an encouragement. For many people, it's a life verse. Anybody love Jeremiah 29, 11? For I know the plans I have towards you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Everybody likes that verse. It sounds great. But if you don't read that verse in context with the rest of the chapter, you don't really understand why God was, was giving that word to Jeremiah. So we're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to start in verse 1, and then we're going to jump down from verse 1 to verse 4 through 7, and then eventually we'll get, we'll get to 29, 11 in a few minutes. So turn with me to Jeremiah 29. I'll give you a second to get there. If you are there, say amen. All right, it's on the screen too, so you can cheat that way. Jeremiah 29 1 says this these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon 
All right, so he's setting it up. Now we're going down to verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity to preach the word today. I pray you would anoint my, uh, my time today. And I pray you would anoint our ears to hear what the spirit is saying. And Lord, today, may we not only just be hearers of the word, but maybe we doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's address the pink elephant in the room. Everybody knows that Tuesday is kind of an important day, right? I would venture to say that regardless of what happens on Tuesday, at least half of the country is going to be really upset and half of the country is going to be elated. And probably 30% are going to be mad no matter what happens. <laughs> the election is an important thing and it's something that we need to do our part and take part of. But I want to say this, I'm not going to jump on any political side today other than to say this, regardless of what side you are on politically, it is imperative, and I've underlined this and put it in bold, imperative that we seek the welfare of the nation, our state, and our local governing authorities, whether they are on our team or not. You go, okay, why are you starting it off this way? Because so many times... We get in the position and we say, because I don't like this person's stance, then I can't like anything about them. And how many of you know that that's a wrong way of thinking? Jesus himself said, you should love your enemies. You should pray for those who persecute you and bless them. Man, that's a hard ask. I don't always like the way politicians treat me. But how many of you know this? Most of what takes place in Washington, D.C. probably has little to no effect on your day-to-day -day life in northern Illinois. If you really want to boil it down, the people who have more effect on us are the folks that are in Springfield and the folks that are in, if you live in Rockford, in downtown Rockford or wherever that you may live, wherever those municipalities are, those are the people that affect our day-to-day -day life the most. How many of you know the Winnebago County Health Department has a big effect on our life right now? And if we don't pray for them, if all we do is just get upset because we feel like they're putting restrictions on us and, and, and taking away freedoms and this, that, or the other, we've still got to take the time to pray for those people. We need to pray that they have wisdom. We need to pray that they prosper. Because the Bible just teach, taught us right there in Jeremiah 29 that if they prosper, we prosper. And if they're blessed, we're blessed. That's a hard thing to, to ask us to do, but it's something that we're commanded to do. So be careful who you listen to. There are many deceived people who will prophesy to you and tell you what you want to hear. That's all through the book of Jeremiah. There's different pro uh, prophets that are getting up and saying the things that the people want to hear so that they don't listen to what God is actually saying to them. Anything that you hear needs to be filtered through the word and looked at through the lens of Jesus Christ, even the news. 
Even the things that you're, that you're voting on, you need to filter those things through the Word of God and through Jesus Christ. Somebody should say amen to that, because that's good preaching. All right, so I started heavy. It's going to get a little lighter, okay? My first point that I really want to, to drill in on today is remember, while we may have difficult times ahead of us, we are not without hope. You know, Jeremiah just said, you're going into captivity. Go and, 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 and make the best of the situation that you're in. And he goes on to say in verses 10 through 14, thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So yes, God sent his people into exile, but he didn't send them without hope. He told them, I'm going to bring you back. He told them that but when you seek me, you will find me. He told them that, that I've, I've got a plan for you. I'm, I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to give you the things that you need. But you're going to have to go through some stuff to get there. Nobody likes to go through stuff. But it's a whole lot better when you've got somebody to go through it with. Right? Right? Point number two this morning, don't avoid the struggles. Follow God even when it's difficult. Don't avoid the struggle today. Many of us want to get away from our struggles. We, we, we want to lay them aside and say, oh, it's, it's difficult. But how many of you know if uh, when you're riding a bike, especially like if you're on a stationary bike, anybody ever ridden an ridden a, a exercise bike before? You get on the exercise bike and you'd have no resistance on it. and Everything's great. Oh man, I can pedal. I can pedal for hours. You're not going anywhere, but I can pedal for hours. And then all of a sudden, the resistance kicks in. And then it gets a little bit harder to pedal. You got to go up a hill. And you go, when am I ever going to get to the top of this hill? And all of a sudden, it's the struggle getting up that hill it becomes a real challenge. And then you get to the top of the hill and you, you can start to coast down again. Hills are great because they teach us endurance, right? You got to learn to endure. Most of us, and myself included, want to avoid the struggle if at all possible. And many times we make plans to do something or we want to go somewhere to avoid the struggle. And then we want God to give us a word through someone or have someone confirm what we want to do rather than asking God what we should do. So in Jeremiah 42 and 43, there's a story that continues where, uh, you know, after Nebuchadnezzar and, and the Babylonians had ransacked Jerusalem and taken people captive, they'd left a few people still there and they they appointed a governor and the governor is in place and this guy named ishmael gets decides i don't like the governor and i don't like his his uh, regime so i'm going to take them out so he he kills all this uh the administration and everything and then they they bury him in a place that isn't a real good place to bury him and then all of a sudden they have this idea you know that probably wasn't a good idea because now we have to now we have to face you know king nebuchadnezzar and his army again they're going to come back 
and they're going to deal with this. And you know what we should do? We should go back to Egypt. We should run to Egypt and hide in Egypt for a while. And so, hey, Jeremiah, could you do us a favor? This is what we'd like to do, but uh, can you go and pray and get a word from God and confirm for us what we want to do? And no matter what you say, we're going to do what you say. Jeremiah says, sure. So he goes and he prays, and it took 10 days. How many of you know, 10, uh, how many of you would like to wait 10 days for an answer to prayer? Our society is not built for waiting 10 days for anything. I mean, y'all know I work at UPS, right? UPS is like, if you order on Amazon, you expect it now the next day. In some places, they're working on same-day delivery. It's, it's insane, the, the kinds of things that we expect. Some of us get mad if we have to wait five minutes for our coffee at Starbucks. Or if there's a long line in the drive-thru, oh man, I can't wait. I just can't wait. They had to wait 10 days for this, for this prophet to come back and give them a word. And so he comes back and he says, this is what the Lord says. If you, if you stay here and face the music here, if you, if, if you stay, have to wait for Babylon to come back, you'll be blessed. However, if you go to Egypt, you will face judgment. And they, you know the story if you've read your Bible. Well, that's great, Jeremiah. We're going to Egypt. Thanks, thanks for praying. We'll see you later. So they go to Egypt, and they still end up facing judgment. That's exactly what, what happened. Because when, when God sends a word through a prophet, if it's a real thing, it's going to come to pass. And exactly what he said came to pass. So let's not make the same kind of mistakes that these guy, guys made. Follow God's direction first and avoid having to retrace your steps. Sometimes it's better just to face the music. When you've done something, own it and deal with it. All right, so we're going to shift over to the book of Habakkuk. Kind of as an overview, all through one through three of Habakkuk there. And Habakkuk brings to light an understanding of this, that it's okay to question God when life doesn't add up or when you're disappointed in the process. Anybody ever question God? Anybody ever ask God, why are you doing this? Why am I having to go through this? Why, why is my family member suffering like this? Why do I have to suffer? Why is the nation so messed up? And I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait. Anybody ever prayed the prayer, Lord, give me patience and give it now. So our doubts and questioning and fears, are they compatible with faith? What do you think? Do you think doubt is compatible with faith? It's kind of a trick question. Are you facing problems with your relationships and your marriage or maybe your lack of marriage, your family, your job, your health, your finances, or a combination of all these things? Has any of this ever made you doubt the existence of God? Should you stop believing? Steve Perry said, don't stop believing. You'll get that joke later too. Many people regard faith as unquestioning. They think that faith and doubt are total opposites. But in fact, faith and doubt are two sides of the same coin. 
There's no doubt that two plus two equals four, right? Everybody knows if you've, if you've taken any kind of schooling, one of the first things they teach you in math, two plus two equals four. It doesn't take a lot of faith to believe that, does it? Something you can prove. On the other hand, but to believe that someone loves you is always open to an element of doubt. To put your faith in God is similar to loving a person. There's always the possibility of doubt because without doubt, faith would not be faith. If you could just prove everything, then there'd be no reason for faith. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, right? The evidence of things not seen. It's not always something that you see in the natural. It's things that you have to look for spiritually. And likewise, it's not wrong to question God within the context of faith. The book of Habakkuk starts with a man who believes, yet questions. It ends with a towering expression of faith, scarcely equaled anywhere else in the Old Testament. Habakkuk looked at the world and was perplexed and fearful. He saw violence. Okay, I'm going to lay out some things for you in this and see if it sounds familiar to today. Habakkuk saw violence. Anybody seen violence in the world today? He saw injustice. That seems to be one of the things we hear about in the news the most, injustices. He saw destruction, strife, and conflict. Yet the Lord did not seem to him to be doing anything about it. He saw pain and suffering and asked, how long, O Lord, and why? But here's what he did. He took it, the problem to God and he asked genuinely heartfelt questions. And God replied that he was about to do something amazing, but not what Habakkuk expected. He was raising up the Babylonians. Now, I want you to kind of put that in context of where, you know, we would be in today's world. Lord, we need revival in this land. We need things to shake up. We need things to, to, to turn around. And God says, okay, I'll send the Russians. What? <laughs> You're going to do what? Or I'll send the North Koreans. They're going to they're going to they're going to lead you to revival. Excuse me? Are you are you serious right now? So Israel was going to be overwhelmed and go into exile and Habakkuk was perplexed and confused. Surely God was in control of history and all powerful. So how could a pure God use the cruel and idolatrous Babylonians to punish a godly nation? You can't be serious. You can't condone evil. Habakkuk didn't seem to get a direct answer. However, he took his puzzled complaints and problems to God and left them with him as he waited. So this morning, where we need to get to a place is when we come to the altar with our questions and with the things that we have that don't make sense in our own heart, we need to bring them to the altar and leave them there. Most of the time, whenever we get through praying about things, we pick up what we had with us and we carry it right back out the door so we can deal with it again in just a little while. Because we get comfortable with the things that make us uncomfortable sometimes. Because we like to wear the identity of being a victim. We like to wear the identity of somebody who's always been defeated and can never get a fair shake at life when we've been called to become overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, right? We can't overcome 
if we're always carrying those burdens with us. So here's what God tells him to do. God tells him to write down his vision that he gets. When you sense God speaking to you and giving you vision, it's good to write it down so that you can refer back to it and hold on to it. Secondly, this, God told him that he may have to wait for the answer. But verse 3 says, wait for it, it will certainly come and not delay. Remember, I, I said I, I, don't, I don't like to particularly like waiting. It's not something that I enjoy. About eight weeks ago, I was, uh, I was given a promotion at my job at UPS and uh, was very excited to take the promotion. It was going to really revolutionize everything about my life um, because I was no longer going to be working nights. And those of you who have ever worked nights can understand that when you go from working nights to working days, it just totally changes everything. Because like most of the time, when you work nights, you just don't sleep the way you should, and you're just kind of like half conscious most of the time that you're awake. Um, and it's just, it's, so I was really excited for things to change. And I go through training, I'm in training for six weeks, and right when the training is about to be over, I get an email from my new boss going, and I'm copied on it, going to my old boss saying, hey, um, you can expect for Marty to return back to the hub operation uh, starting uh, whatever day that was in October, and it'll last through the end of the year. And I was like, wait, what? You know, I have to go, I have to go from, from, you know, working regular hours to going back to the nights and carrying a crazy schedule and stuff again. And like, Lord, I don't want to do this. This is not what, this is not what I believe you promised me. I believe when I stepped out in this, that this was, this was going to be a, a, a new change. And, and, and the Lord said, just be patient. Because they did say there was an end. They said the end of the first of the year. That's like two months. But I don't like waiting. It's my money and I want it now. Uh, this is not a J.G. Wentworth commercial. But we don't like to wait. We want things to happen on a, t on a certain timetable. We want things to turn around. And I was very frustrated, and I don't want to embarrass our pastor, but I sent him a text message expressing my frustration, and the thing that he wrote back to me really kind of settled some things in my heart. He said, he said I hate that this has happened for, for you, but guard your heart that a, that a root of bitterness doesn't take root. And that really, you know, put me back and, you know, brought me back to earth a little bit. Because when things don't go the way that you expected them to go, it's real easy to get bitter. It's real easy to say, I'm just going to take my ball and go home. It's real easy just to say, I quit. And I'll be honest with you, I wanted to do all those things. But I trust that God has a purpose and a plan through my process. So here's where faith comes in. Bring your doubts, bring your problems, bring your questions to the Lord. You may not always get the immediate answer to your question, but while you wait for the answers, you are called to trust in God, even when you don't fully understand what he's doing. Even when he brings the Babylonians to fix you. Faith involves believing what God has said, and in spite of the difficulties you face, 
He goes on to say in verse 4, the righteous will live by faith. So if we are righteous, we have to live by faith. Habakkuk foresaw the judgment that was coming from the ungodly Babylonians and also saw that they were going to be judged in turn. He also foresaw one day the outlaws would be destroyed and then that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord just as the waters cover the sea. That's in verse 14. He foresaw the ultimate triumph over good, of good over evil. But until that time, he had to resolve in his heart to stay close to God no matter what happened. So like Habakkuk today, I challenge you to commit yourself to praise and not complaint. Resolve to take the long-term view and be patient. Resolve to rejoice no matter what the circumstances. Just like Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's a, that's a hard place to, to stand. When you feel like your dream is dead, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away that blessed be the name of the Lord. We have to get to that place when, when stuff is disappointing, we still turn it back to praise to the Lord. So here's where I want us to, to, to really put some meat on the bones today. Number four, you need to commit yourself to faith even when there is no fruit. Woo! Commit yourself to faith when there is no fruit. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19 says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the, the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. His response is, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. And that was written for the choir master with stringed instruments. So he liked musicians. I like musicians too. Even if you can find nothing else, you can rejoice over your relationship with the Lord. You can, re you can rejoice that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Habakkuk said, I rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God, my Savior. God made me sure-footed and light-hearted. And that's a good place to be. Sure-footed and light-hearted. Sometimes you just have to laugh at stuff. I'm going I'm to take a small rabbit trail real quick on something that I always find funny. Culver's over here on Harrison always has the best signs. And you're like, really? They're talking about the flavor of the day. Well, the reason I don't, I don't eat Culver's very much, but the sign that I saw this morning driving in the church, they always, they never put any like punctuation in the sign. And so it reads like a run on sentence to me. And so today it said devil's food cake, veggie burger. It sounds good on the top, but once you get to the middle, <laughs> no bueno. <laughs> but I, I, find, I find silly things like that to laugh at because if I look at all the other things around me, it makes me want to cry sometimes because the world is such a jacked up place. And you've got to find ways that you can find humor in the midst of stuff. Otherwise, you're just going to be, you know, grumpy dwarf. And nobody wants to hang around Grimace either. Some of y'all don't remember Grimace. He was the purple guy on the McDonald's group. Joyce Meyer said this, We need to allow our difficulties to help us develop hind's feet. 
When we have hinds feet, we will walk and make progress through our trouble, suffering, responsibility, or whatever else is trying to hold us back. I want to put this picture up of this animal. It's called an ibex. An ibex is a goat, and they live uh, kind of all over the Middle East and Asia. Uh, so they, they do live in Israel. I've also seen them. Anybody watch the, the show Planet Earth? So they, they have like a whole thing about the ibex on planet Earth. And these, these animals literally live on the side of a cliff. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I'd be real chill on a 90-degree angle like that. And that, that, that thing's just hanging out. Yeah, what's up? It's cool. And then if you watch them, I mean, they literally, I mean, they, they jump back and forth and run around across these hills. If you got some time later this afternoon after your Sunday afternoon nap, how many know those are, those are heavenly? You get your Sunday afternoon nap in and pull up YouTube and just YouTube Ibex on side of the hill and you will, you'll, they'll take you to all these different kinds of videos and things where you can watch these things in action. And these things are crazy. But, but they were, the Lord was using this as a, as a point in, in scripture because they would have understood this because they lived in Israel and that's where these guys live. He made my feet like this, this deer, this ibex. They have a special kind of hoof on their hind feet that enables them to grip the rock like that. And then they can just stand. Y'all, I'm flat-footed. I can hardly stand up, you know, just to walk around sometimes. And this thing is sure-footed on the side of a hill. Lord, make me like that. Make me have a place where I can stand but even here's what's even more important. They're standing on the rock. We have a rock in Christ Jesus that we can stand on. And when we stand on Jesus Christ, he makes us sure-footed. It's a firm foundation. My last point is this this morning, and I'm, I'm closing. God is far more concerned about your heart than he is your harvest. We got some farmers around here, right? People understand the, the process of sowing and reaping. You know that if you take a plow and you plow the ground and you get the row perfect and then you come back through and you throw some seed in it and then you cover it up and water it, throw some fertilizer on it and do those things, you know eventually you're gonna produce a crop. And hopefully the yield from that crop is gonna sustain you. That's what the plan is, right? But what about after you've gotten the whole field planted, you get one of those freak frosts that come in and kills everything you just planted? Or what if, what if you're in Louisiana and you've planted the sugar cane and they get it going and then all of a sudden you have six hurricanes come through? What do you do? Or what if you're in Oklahoma and you're a pecan farmer and you've got, you're, you're, you're expecting a bumper crop of pecans and then you get a freak ice storm in the middle of October when it's not even supposed to get below freezing yet and it destroys your trees. What do you do? Well, most of the farmers I know, they just keep planting. And they keep expecting a harvest because they know that that's what is supposed to happen. But honestly, if, you, if, all you're, if you're just concerned about what comes from the harvest, but you have a really nasty heart, there's not a whole lot of good that comes from that, right? I'd rather be around somebody that has a good heart than somebody who's just rich. 
I want to quote the great philosopher Rocky Balboa this morning. I like movies, okay? So uh, you'll have to forgive me on this. But this, this was a great quote. I was, I was watching a video the other night, and it was just doing like these monologues uh, that were in movies that were inspirational. And this one really stuck out to me. And this is Rocky talking to his son. He said, let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's very mean and a nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Many of you this year have been hit from every side and you felt like quitting and you felt like you just want to give up. But Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4 that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So even when you get hit by every single thing that wants to come at you and throw you off course, maybe you had COVID this year, or maybe you had, you lost a job, or maybe you lost friends for, for some reason, or maybe you feel like everything's been taken away from you. You can still keep pushing forward because if you have a relationship with Jesus, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can still expect a harvest, but also even when you have everything fall apart, you can still know that your heart is in the right place. Because if your heart's in the right place, it won't matter what you harvest. If your heart is rotten, your harvest may as well be rotten too. You can only keep moving forward while having a thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. So as our heads are bowed this morning, this is where I want to bring us to a place of response today. If you're in this place today, you say, Pastor Marty, I uh, have not even made that first step to a relationship with Jesus Christ. I need to surrender my life to him today. I need to make him Lord over my life. If that's you this morning, I want you to lift your hand and say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. Anybody at all? Maybe today you need to recommit yourself to Jesus today. You've walked with him in the past. And, and you've walked away from him through circumstances in life. But today, you want to make a new commitment that he is Lord over my life. If that's you today, would you lift your hand? All right, a final point today for response. Maybe today you're in a place when you say, I have a lot of questions and I have a lot of doubts and I haven't done my part to bring them to Jesus today and I need to bring them to him and let him help me get through this. I need, I need help today from the Holy Spirit. I need help in trusting him today. If that's you this morning, would you lift your hand? I see a number. All right, so here's what I want us to do. As, as, a, as a group together, I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want you to repeat it after me. And this is going to be a place that where we can, we can build on this together. Say, Lord, help me to trust completely in you as I honestly express my doubts and questions to you and to rejoice in you even when I do not 
immediately see an answer. Thank you, Lord. So God, today that is our prayer, that we would find ways to rejoice in you when life throws us curveballs and we just don't understand. God, today let us also be concerned about our heart more than just what our harvest is. Lord, today may our feet be sure-footed like that deer is, like the ibex, and committing ourselves to you even when we don't see the fruit in our lives that we expect. So God, today we trust you with that. We thank you for what you're doing in us. We thank you that you are walking with us, that you promised you would never leave us. You promised you would never forsake us. And so Lord, today I thank you for that. And I entrust all these things to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. It's been great to worship with you this morning. Let's stand together as we get ready to leave. And uh, just want to remind you again um, about uh, our giving today. Thank you for giving. We have the gray boxes right uh, at, towards the left side of each door as you go out this morning. And uh, enjoy the nice weather today. It's a little bit windy, but it's going to warm up. So thank you for being here. God bless you. We'll see you the next time that we gather. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.